The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Support for this show comes from the Utopia Foundation. Committed to providing opportunities for people to express their good intentions in local and international communities. Learn how you can create positive change in the world at utopiafound.org. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. As you just heard, our sponsor this week is Utopia Foundation, and I encourage you to find out more about them at their website, utopiafound.org. My guest is director and filmmaker Christophe Cognier. His latest film, which was honored last year by the International Festival of Rome, is called Because I Was a Painter. The documentary explores artwork, wash drawings and paintings created in secret by Jewish artists imprisoned in Nazi concentration and death camps. Konye interviews the few surviving artists, along with those who curate their art, and draws us into the world of these amazing works of art, some of which are found in collections in France, Germany, Poland, the Czech Republic, Belgium, Switzerland and Israel. Christophe Konye, welcome to Essential Conversations. Ah, yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for joining us. In your writing about the movie, Because I Was a Painter, you reference many of the standard images available to us about the Shoah, the Holocaust. You talk about photographs of former camps, personal accounts of survivors, films taken and stills taken by both the SS of the Nazis and the Allied Liberation Forces. And then you ask this fascinating question. What do they truly show? But you don't answer it. So I want to start with that question. Before we get to the film itself and how it differs from these other images, what do you think those images truly show? It's a very difficult question because all these images, particularly the images made by the army, the U.S. Army, the British Army, and the Canadian Army, and the Soviet Army, all these images was made by people who made war. So when we see these images, these pictures, this film, we have to understand that it's just images from soldiers who make war. And these people want to prepare the judgment afterwards. So we don't have the point of view of the prisoners. We don't have the point of view of people who are prisoners in these camps. 
That's really fascinating. I mean, you're saying that, in a sense, these other works are propaganda in one way or another. Yes, yes. yes. And, and what you're showing is something very different. So tell us, you know, what is the difference here? The difference is the time. All these images was uh, shot in um, 45, in the liberations of the camps. And uh, the artworks I have seen was made in uh, in all the, the 40s by the prisoners. So it, it's an essential difference because the camps um, are not the same in 40, in 41, in 42, and, and so on. So we can see some details of the camps, some aspects of the camps we don't see in this film made by the army. It's for the, the essential um, difference. Other difference is that when you show somebody, it's always your self-portrait. So the, the prisoner, the artist who made portrait of the other people made their own portrait. It's very important to understand that because it was an act of resistance for them to do this image. So that's really one of the key things that comes out in your film, that this was an act of resistance. I'm intrigued by the title that you give the film, Because I Was a Painter. And it's almost like I can hear you asking, why did you do this? It, well, the answer is, because I was a painter, and this is how I resisted what was happening to me. I got the impression, watching the film, that the act of resistance was showing the humanity of the prisoner, not only the prisoners who were living, but some of these drawings and paintings are of the dead, but reclaiming or restoring or preserving their humanity. Do you see it that way? Is that part of the resistance? Yes, of course. I think it's first preserve their own humanity, not the humanity of the other, but their own. And all the artists I have met, all the, the artists I have read some, some testimony or something like that, uh, all they say it was a necessity, not for tell the story of the camps or something like that, but interior necessity as an artist to do something with this incredible world they see. It is why the name of the film is Because I Was a Painter. The great artist Zoran Muzic was a prisoner in Darao in Germany and it was a necessity for me to represent this. So I think the act of resistance is first this necessity. The necessity to do art with this, this world, this crazy world, with this hell. And, and even, I mean, you were quoting... Uh, that painter who, who said there was this incredible beauty, even in this horror. And you talk about, in your writing about the film, you talk about the function of art. And you say, and, and I think this is another way of saying what you've just explained, but maybe goes another step. It's not a question of illustrating, but of showing and rendering present even something as simple as an emptiness of impossibility. This is the function of art. And I'm fascinated by this phrase, the emptiness of impossibility, and, and how, that, how you understand that and how you link that to the function of art. Because art is not uh, a photo. 
when you make a drawing, you don't make a photo. So it's a way to represent something. You don't represent the world you see, you represent your impossibility to draw the world you see. So you, you present your, your own impossibility. I follow that. So it's sort of a play on words of the word represent. Mm-hmm. So it's not rep, um, replicating, it's yes. presenting again in, in a new form through your, the eyes of the artist. And, and I, would, I would claim and, and ask you through your eyes as well, because you then represent to us, you know, present again to us, uh, the paintings through your own lens, literally, uh, and each time it becomes an, another present reality. It, it's not about what was, it's about what is, as I'm looking at these paintings and I'm watching the film. So the question is, is the function of art to bring these things alive in the experience of not just the artist, but the experience of the viewer? So what drew you to that? Why this material? It's a quite long story. I can see two things. The first is I met Boris Taslitsky, who was an artist in, was deported in Burenwald. And Boris was like my grandfather, if you want. And Boris tell me a lot of this drawing on what he made. So I start to uh, understand the importance of all this drawing. So it's the first, uh, but Boris tell me something. He, he tell me if I go in uh, in a memorial in Burenval now there is nothing, all is uh, destroyed. But he said to me, if you go, you will understand. You will see nothing, but you will understand. And it's a very bizarre word for me because if I have nothing to see. What can I understand? And I think the body understands something. When I go in Burenvan, when I go in Auschwitz, after in Darao, and in the other place, I understand that my body understands something. And I think that the, the films can feel to the audience this way to the body. I think that, that cinema is question of body. So I want to make a, a film in this meaning to mm-hmm. understand with my body, to understand with my uh, my hands, and you know the the area, the the, the space, and so the yeah. first question for this film, the, the second is in France when you are young, all the all the young see the the film of Alain René, it's Nuit et Brouillard in French, Nartun Nebel in German. Um, it's a very famous film, and I was very shocked when I see this movie. I was 12, so I think it was a sort of rendezvous for me to make because I was a painter. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, so, so, so that, that makes sense. I mean, you have both as, as from your youth, just having seen that film, but also one of your mentors, or even more, your, your grandfather figure... Yes. Uh, was your was your connection? I, I want to go back to this notion of the body, because you also talk about the physicality of these works of art. Not just you say that that the the value their value isn't simply in what they depict in the picture, but in the very physicality. And I noticed you can't help but notice. I mean, they drew on. I mean, they were they weren't invited to draw. They were not given canvases by the Nazis and said, oh, you know, paint. Uh, so, so tell us a little bit how they managed to do this and what they risked uh, by doing it and why the physicality of the artwork itself matters so much. Because for me, it was very important to see the real drawing because the paper is special and it's like a relic. I don't know if this word exists in English, a relic. So, yes, relic. Yeah. Yes, yes. Because it, it's the paper, it's the real um, object uh, that artists touch. You know, it, it's like a physical line with me on, on them. So I, I was very emotive feeling when I see the real, the real drawing, the papers, because because you, you say that it was very very um, risked for them to do this, uh, this drawing in the camp, in the con concentration camp, and more in the extermination camp, you can uh, be killed for uh, make a drawing. Their lives were at risk. Yes. Right? yes. yes. And, and they stole the materials. I mean, the, the paper and the, the cloth they used, they had to sneak this out of wherever they could find it. In the camp, they say, we arrange, arrange. It's the, the word of the camps. Primo Levi says that the world is we arrange a paper, we arrange some food. And, yeah, Primo, Primo Levi. Yeah. So, I mean, you might ask somebody, why would you do that? Why would you take the risk? And the answer is because I am a painter. Yes. <laughs> this, this is how I engage the world. And, and it, was, uh, it was life and death, but this was their life, not just in the camps. But this is who they were as living beings, as, uh, you know, as these artists. Just one other thing I just want to let our listeners know. Uh, when you watch the film, you, uh, at least I, this is how I understood it. I think you went out of your way to show me as the viewer the physical artifact I'm looking at, the physical painting, the paper. You, you didn't just come in really close, so it filled my screen. You showed me the scraps and the and the the rough edges of the paper so i could get a feel i'm obviously i'm watching but not touching but i could get a feel of these things as objects 
in and of themselves. And, and, I, and I find that so interesting that you, you manage to come to get that physicality across. You know, some, I, 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 you know, this is radio and it's impossible for people to imagine, you know, what is on the film if they haven't seen the film. Is it possible for you to describe a piece, let's say something from uh, Léon Delabré, if I'm even pronouncing that close? Can, can you describe an image from one of these works that gives people a sense of, of what they might see if they watch the movie? Léon Delabre. Uh, okay, Delabre, of, thank you. Delabre, yes, sorry. Um, it, it's one of my, my favorite uh, artists I, I uh, I see um, the, the drowning. Um, Leon Delard was in, in five, uh, five camps uh, in Auschwitz, Burenwald, um, Bergen-Belsen, Grossrosen. In every camp, tried to do some drawing. It was very, very hard for him to, to find papers, to, to, to find pencil and, and so on. He made extraordinary image. It's like, uh, you, you know Munch, the, the famous painting, uh, Lexi, Person Lexi. on the Bridge. Yes, yes. I think Delab is so uh, strong, Munch. It, 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 it's the same feeling for me when I see uh, uh, some of, um, of, um, of his drawing. So it, it's not a question of, of um, testimony sometimes. It, it, it's more th than this. It's like um, et eternal humanity. Who's suffering in this image, particularly yeah. from the lab. So Very, very powerful. I mean, when you watch the film, the, the, this, this notion of humanity yeah. is is palpable. I mean, you can you can you can really feel it coming through. You know, your medium for the the film. We're, we're gonna we're coming up again against the end of the show, and I want to talk to you or ask you about the opening words of the film, and I'm going to quote them to you and see where you take this. The film opens with these words. I don't dare say it. I shouldn't say it. Even for a painter, it was incredibly beautiful. He's talking about the camp experience. And I don't dare say it. I shouldn't say it. Even for a painter, it was incredibly beautiful. I got the sense that you too found it incredibly beautiful. And my question is, how do you, how did you personally straddle the line between the beauty and the horror that was in these works? Yes, it's a philosophical question. You know, in, in the history of art, we see something who, who are horrible um, with beauty. The Christ, in the in the in the pantheon in Europe, the, the Christ on the cross is suffering. But in in Giotto or, or in, we can't find beauty. So it's an old question, I think, in art, the the, the reunion of horror and, and beauty. Mm. Uh, but in the camp, it was more the question more than it because there was. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of, of horror, a lot, a lot, a lot of corpse and, and, and so right, on. Right. But the, the, the artists who know the history of, 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 of art was, uh, was shocked. Yeah, and, and, and yet, I, I mean, this is a beautiful way to end. I think it's a challenge to people who so, view the film 
but also a, a challenge to anyone who's even listening to this uh, conversation to see that beauty and horror are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Christophe Cognier, thank you so much for being with us. I also want to thank our sponsor, Utopia Foundation, providing the opportunity for people to create solutions that contribute toward a more equitable world. Please visit them at utopiafound.org. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. I invite you to visit our website, spiritualityhealth.com, to subscribe to the magazine and download the app for this podcast. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is produced by Corinne Johnston, and Alma Tassi is our program coordinator. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.